0: Welcome, everybody. It is June 16th, and this is the Fight Business Podcast. I'm Patrick Ogier, and with me, we've got, of course, the deputy editor of The Body Lock, Michael Fidel, and a very special guest with us, a veteran MMA reporter, been in this game for way longer than I than I have, that's for sure, and and uh, secretary of the MMAJA, Josh Gross. Josh, how are you doing? I'm, I'm fine, Patrick, and uh, Michael, how are you guys doing?
1: All good over here.
0: Doing great. Uh, first question, asking everybody this is, is, how are you holding up in the, the pandemic? How's, how's things going with, with every, all that situation going on?
2: Uh, well, off the top, I mean, everybody that that's in my family and that I care about is, is healthy, and that's the most important thing. Uh, obviously, I know a lot of people who have been affected by this in, in very terrible ways, so understand how difficult the moment is that we're living through and from the outset you know i i told everybody around me that my mentality through this was safer than sorry uh there's no reason to fiddle around with something like a pandemic as far as i'm concerned um it's arrogant to do that in my way of thinking and uh i I felt like you know, as, as long, look, I, I grew up with just my mom, I, I didn't have a dad and my mom's 87. And so like, I sort of have to be on the lookout for her health and seriously consider that. And so everything has revolved around that. I live with my girlfriend and, um, you know, she has uh, thankfully, you know, felt the need to do things that um, I, I feel like help us be safe together. And, um, you know, I, I, I understand that we're in a unique time in our lives. I don't think unless you have memories of being alive in 1918, 1919, really, that, uh, you know, you, you could have ever uh, comprehend what it's like to live through something like this. And so my idea is that um, I'm safe and sound now and I'm taking every precaution I can to do that. I wear a mask when I go out. I have no problem doing that. Um, Of course, I understand beyond just the health aspect, uh, you know, it's affected businesses in in a lot of ways. We've talked a lot about that in mixed martial arts. And I I know now firsthand, you know, I was laid off because of of COVID. But, you know, this is not a throwaway line. This is something that I've told myself and and tell people close to me whenever people reach out. It's like, look, if this is the worst thing that I'm affected because of COVID, then I got off easy. And, you know, we we live and learn and and move forward in it. So it's something I take very seriously and um, trying to, you know, make uh, make out of it the best I can. And I, I hope everybody else listening to this as well.
1: Absolutely. And one of the things you touched on there was your departure from The Athletic. Now, you were obviously one of the bigger names uh, recruited to the website once they started their MMA team. A uh, terrific team over there, terrific coverage. Uh, the fighter survey was one of the best things we've seen in MMA media in a recent memory. Can you talk a little bit about your time with The Athletic and, of course, the COVID-inspired departure that uh, ended up happening recently?
2: Yeah, it was a, a great staff to be uh, involved with. Fortunately, through my career, I've been able to work with a lot of great people. And in this case, I reunited with some of them. Um, it was an honor to, uh, to get the call. Um, you know, they called me, they, they were putting together a team and quite honestly, it came at a great time in my life. I, I really needed a full-time job. Uh, and, uh, it was a wonderful year. I mean, regardless of how it ended and, and understanding the circumstances around that, it was a great year. And, uh, I really wish that we'd been able to capitalize off the momentum of the fighter survey. I think a lot of people were paying attention to that. It was a really great project to be a part of. And, uh, to leave on that note is, is bittersweet, obviously. Um, and you know, I, 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 understand businesses have to do what they have to do to survive and, uh, I, I have no, um, illusions of my departure being anything other than a time and place moment. And, uh, certainly I wasn't alone in that. We lost four people on the MMA staff and, and lots of other verticals and areas of the athletic were affected as well. So, uh, it's a shame. It's unfortunate, uh, wish everybody there the best. Uh, there's still some friends uh, who work there and, and want them to succeed. And I, I think the project is worthwhile. And I, I, I worry if it doesn't work, what does that mean for the MA uh, media landscape? But more than that, the sports media landscape. And we know how difficult the sports uh, media business is. It just generally media, the businesses have been in upheaval for years. So, um, you know, it's it's a shame. Uh, not what anyone wants to hear in a particular moment, especially a moment of such uncertainty that we're living through now. Um, but as always, my my frame of mind is you got to get off the deck. Um, you find ways to move forward. Opportunities arise out of difficult moments. And that's all I can lean into right now. And so I'm trying to make the best out of not an ideal situation. And hopefully this opens up areas uh, that may have not been open to me before. And, and really that's what I'm striving for. So uh, I feel for everybody who was let go. Certainly no one wants to be part of that. Uh, hopefully a lot of them will be picked up and, and have work. And I would like to be among that group, of course, and um, we'll see how it plays out. But, you know, I, I'm grateful for the year that I spent there. Danced up um, was a tremendous editor to work with and the whole team there. Uh, we called it a dream team that we didn't call it. Uh, they kind of like athletic dubbed us the dream team as we came in. They had a high hopes. And uh, I think we did really good work there. And I'm proud of everything that we did.
0: Yeah, and, and as you mentioned there, um, you know, in terms of the experiment and in terms of what the Athletic stands for, we're, we're in an age where I have found that a lot of of people have a certain mentality of you know clicks drive the views, and you need to get clicks. So we're we're doing certain headline pieces, we're doing breaking news, all of that stuff. Whereas the Athletic was much more based on you know things like the fighter survey, um, which we'll circle back here in a minute. But just in terms of that ideology, that ideology of long freeform journalism. I've heard people in, in the space say, you know, that's dead now, that now we're working on it in the age of clicks. It's all about the views. Um, based on what you're saying, and what you just said there, I, I'm assuming that you don't believe that that's the true ideology, that you, you believe that long, freeform journalism does have a place and that it can work. Is, yeah, is that a have,
2: Yeah, well, it doesn't have to be long, but journalism works. And I think quality reporting has meaning and unearthing facts that people don't know and providing context to them is important and it's never not going to be important. Um, There is easy stuff to click around and, and really surface level vapid kind of media content creation that people can create industries around. I know for me personally, that's nothing I've ever really been interested in doing. I've probably to my detriment, never focused too much on metrics, never too much on numbers. Uh, for me, is what's the story? What's the best way to frame the story? How can we share this story? Uh, how can we learn more? And, um, that's kind of been the driving MO of, of my journalism. Um, I, I think there's still definitely places for that. And look, we live in a world, uh, just from a mixed martial arts perspective where, um, this is big industry now. Uh, there's lots of dollars involved. Uh, these are people's lives we're dealing with. The effect of the sport itself is damaging. There's repercussions all these important issues, but in the grand scheme of things, it's still pretty cotton candy. It's, it's sports and it's a niche sport. Uh, It's not the NFL, the NBA or major league baseball in terms of how it's received uh, the amount of coverage it gets, the kind of coverage it gets. I think on a broad scale um, it doesn't necessarily add up a lot of times, but there's still room and necessity for quality journalism. And I think throughout the MMA space, we see it on a regular basis, really meaningful stuff. Um, And not everything I wrote was a deep dive into a particular topic. I had fun with stuff as well at The Athletic. And I think there's room for all sorts of journalism, all sorts of ways of framing stories and issues and really bringing context to readers. And so I I think you have to strike a balance. Uh, But certainly I do not want and I don't think we'll ever see a situation where uh, just pure content creation for clicks uh, replaces actual journalism because the actual journalism is actually incredibly valuable. And um, to lose something like that, I think would be detriment, not just to journalists or media people working in the space, but the industries they cover, industries that they uh, actually improve and affect by their journalism, I think would uh, take a hit, would, would suffer from a lack of that kind of coverage. So for lots of reasons, I think it's important. I was grateful for the space that The Athletic provided us to do that. I still see out there that there's quality journalism being done. Outlets are providing that space for reporters to work that way, and that's a necessity.
1: Right, and one of the reasons that The Athletic was able to do all of those things that you mentioned was obviously uh, the paywall that it was enacted. Uh, in order to read The Athletic, you have to be a subscriber. I am a subscriber. We check out the pieces there, uh, but you do have to pay a monthly fee. Did you feel – I know it wasn't uh, unanimously well-received, but did you feel like there was any um, – undo criticism for the paywall given that the content was uh, created in a way that didn't fit the click model
2: I didn't hear a lot of pushback on that there's always pushback there's always criticism in this world that we live in a social media space um, but you know what what is that worth really what what are the critics saying what can you take look criticism is a valuable thing a lot of times sometimes it doesn't it's worthless but often you can really uh, Learn and improve off of criticism if you're open to it. And I didn't really hear anything along those lines that led me to believe, like, what we were doing wasn't worthwhile or people uh, who were subscribing weren't getting their dollars worth. I very rarely heard from subscribers who said, uh, "This, this isn't what I'm paying for. So, you know, I think we served our readers well, at least in the time that I was there. And, um, I, you know, I always had people in mind, always had the kinds of stories that we were trying to create in mind for people who would be willing enough to pay for those services. And so, you know, these are these are people who take their sports journalism, but in particular for the people who signed up for us, their MMA media journal, journalism seriously. And for me, it was always in the back of my mind of having to deliver for them. Um, whatever criticism there was, I don't think it was robust enough to really break through or make a difference. It wasn't something that I paid much attention to Uh, when I was faced with criticism on a paywall, it was easy enough for me at the time to say, Hey, here's a free trial for a week, check it out yourself. And, uh, you know, I never really heard feedback from people who said they tried it and hated it. And whatever it was um, you know, I recognize that MMA and asking people to sign up for subscriptions around MMA and pay for MMA content in a world where we've been weaned on free content is a big ask. Um, I thought that the kind of content that we were delivering certainly was deserving of uh, the resources that people were willing to invest in us. And that's what s- subscribers did. They invested in us. And I thought that the chances that we had to give back on that, uh, on their buy-in, uh, by and large, paid off. We created a lot of great stories. I don't think we wasted our opportunities too often.
0: And one of those stories you mentioned a little bit ago was that you know groundbreaking fighter survey that resulted in you know, information that we haven't really seen, um, from the UFC in terms of 170 fighters, I believe surveyed about different, you know, aspects, whether it was the CT trauma, the managers, um, you know, fighter pay, all of that. Uh, one, one question I had about that is because obviously that was a huge undertaking. How difficult was it to get the fighters to agree to something like that? I, I know you, you know, mentioned it was anonymous and all of that, but Um, How difficult was it to get some of the fighters to open up like that? And was there any issue, especially with management or agents, uh, if they got wind of what was happening? Was there any pushback from them? Uh, How did that all go down?
2: Um, As best as I can tell, we only had two people outright said said no. So it wasn't that difficult. Um, Finding fighters, connecting with fighters sometimes was problematic. But, you know, arranging interviews, sometimes it works out like that. Uh, but for the most part at least from my personal experience. And I think based on the conversations we had inside, um, fighters were receptive. Uh, we didn't want to go through managers. If we could avoid that, we didn't want to go through promotions. If we could avoid that. Uh, sometimes we did, wasn't ideal. Uh, I certainly, uh, if that was a route to, to do an interview, my sense always was to tell the manager or the promoter, Hey, you got to get off the phone now. And my understanding is they did that. So, um, you know, it, people wanted to participate. And I, I think because of the group we had, um, we had built up enough um, of a rapport with a lot of these people or whatever it was during our time. You know, we had credibility. We had credibility with the people we were reaching out to and they were willing to respond. Um, and I was grateful for that. And I certainly learned so much, you know, and I've been doing this for 20 years and I, I learned a lot. Uh, and so I imagine a lot of people did as well. And that, that was really fulfilling. It was, it was a fun project to be a part of. And uh, I'm, I'm glad we did it because it shed light on areas that I think needed to be uh, really discussed and opened up and sort of have a better understanding of how the world works in MMA. Um, because there's a lot of myth-making around MMA and a lot of sort of entrenched ideas. People think this is just how it is, so this is how it is. But in fact, sometimes it doesn't turn out to be that way. And I, I certainly had examples of that through the fighter survey as we were going through it. And um, I'm, again, just grateful for the chance to do that kind of project.
1: What would you say was the most, uh, not shocking, but surprising aspect of that fighter survey for you? I know you worked on a lot of individual parts of that survey specifically, but in the entire survey, were there any responses or any trends that stood out to you?
2: Uh, there was a lot that stood out. Um, it's hard to say what the most surprising was. I mean, I, I was kind of blown away by a few numbers. Um, you know, I, I, think, uh, the, a few that really stood out to me is that 70% of fighters have some concern that they may already, uh, that, that, brain trauma is a serious issue for them to contend with. Um, the, the fact that I don't have the numbers in front of me, but a good proportion pro- of the respondents said that they were already feeling some effects of CTE or they were concerned about that was concerning to me. And, you know, th- there was a lot to take away from this. This was a wide ranging 70 to 170 were UFC fighters. We spoke to old fighters from all over the world, different age ranges, different experiences. Um, you know, some of the things weren't surprising. It's not surprising that money and finances was a major concern of fighters. Um, it was interesting for me to learn and, and to write about that um, almost 80% of the fighters felt like that the USADA drug, drug testing program with the UFC was actually making a difference in the sport that the amount of PD use was decreased because of that program. Um, and even amongst UFC fighters, that, that, number, that number was even higher. So there's a lot of numbers to point to. I think as a staff, we all did uh, a really good work in terms of shining light on these numbers, providing context to them, using the words of the fighters themselves to try and really frame stories so people have a full understanding of what we were trying to get to and what fighters were feeling about the topics that we were discussing. Um, and so you know, I, I, I was really hopeful that it would create discussions inside the sport about some topics. And I, I think it probably would have done to a greater degree had not uh, the, you know, the, the layoffs happened at the athletic. So um, I still think there's numbers in there for people to dig around. I believe that the athletic released some of the final um, uh, polls, some of the final results. And I w- was hoping that actually some people would pick up those results and do some of their own reporting off of them, because I think, that's some fertile ground for people that, you know, you can always pick up other people's work and not just aggregate it, right? You can do follow-up reporting. And I think that's one of the things that I'd like to see more of is sort of, instead of sort of this rinse, repeat kind of idea of uh, here's a headline. I mean, I I didn't pick up that Dana White, Conor McGregor stuff. I didn't even know what he was talking about, but if people were just seeing something and just putting stories out based on that, that look like every other story, then like, who are you serving? What are you doing? why are you doing that? Why, why not find something you're interested in that story, find a new angle to, to approach that story. And, uh, my hope was that the fighter survey would, would create a lot of that kind of content. I still think there's opportunities for that. So, you know, I, one or two things, I don't know the, 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 survey as a whole, I think was extremely valuable. And, um, uh, again, I mean, I sort of, I'm just saying this every single time, but I, I was honestly like, um, really, really pleased to be a part of it because, uh, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not like a, a, people may take this for whatever it is but I like, I'm not an arrogant guy. Like, I don't think I know everything. And uh, I know a lot, but I know that I don't know everything. And for me to learn and actually hear from the fighters experience in a venue where they felt free to speak, you know, it's not a scrum. You don't have a hundred mics in front of your mouth. Uh, I wish fighters were more open in those scenarios um, than they, than they are, but it's understandable. But in this context of like, Hey, I, I know I can trust you. I know I can share exactly what's on my mind. Yeah, it was it was just invaluable, uh, and so for all those reasons, um, I, you know I appreciate the questions about it and the interest, and uh, I hope it doesn't sort of just drift off here. That that this uh, fighter survey still has some legs, and that people, whether it's the Athletic or somewhere else, you know, goes off and tries to do their own surveys at some point. Uh, it is an endeavor that you need resources and time to do. It's not an easy thing, um, so I understand that places like the Athletic are unique in that way. And, uh, other than that, you know, I, I felt, I felt good about the results, positive, negative, whatever they showed, it, it gave us a better understanding of what the fighter experience was. And that, that really was the point of the whole thing.
0: And you, you spoke there about, you know, again, the type of media content that's out there. Um, and that obviously the fighter survey is very unique to the athletic, but in, in terms of the general landscape, MMA media landscape. And I want to preface this by saying this is not to make you feel old, but rather to speak to your expertise right. in, in, in that, you know, you said you've been doing this for 20 years. I'm pretty sure that means that's longer than Michael's been alive. Uh, so That's uh, not true,
1: is it? It is,
2: unfortunately. All right,
0: All right. great. Um, but with, with that in mind, uh, how, just from, you know, when you started to where the landscape is now, how, how have things changed how have you seen the landscape change from you know when you first got into this business as an MMA media member to to where you are today you know what is how much has that changed what's the the biggest or most surprising thing you've noticed in, in terms of that shift
2: I mean it's changes it's changed in all sorts of ways dramatically really um when I got in, of uh, the media space was really a collection of diehard people who loved the sport. And there were some media people and there were some uh, periodicals like full contact fighter. Uh, most of the presence was web-based. There was a lot of the forums was where people were exchanging information. I mean, this was back in the days of tape trading. So, you know, it, it, it was a totally different world. And I, I think the shift starting around 2007 when Sherdog, sure uh, which I was executive editor of partnered with ESPN became a content partner that was a huge moment. I felt like, and and I don't know then that I even felt like, oh well, wow, like UFC is going to be on ESPN, right? They're going to be receiving over a billion dollars in license fees from ESPN someday. That 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 just wasn't in um, my frame of mind. I didn't I didn't see that, and maybe I should have, but it just wasn't in the. Uh, I just couldn't envision something like that. Um, so, you know, as steps went forward, I always felt like. Um, Something I wanted to do, not that I was my mission or I, I anointed myself as this, but I always wanted to push the envelope in terms of where MMA was getting covered, how it was getting covered, and the outlets doing it. And so I felt like each step in my career was also a move to expand coverage in ways you know, maybe that it was, or but just not enough, you know. And so expanding MMA content, SureDog provided all the content for MMA for ESPN until ESPN brought in their own people. And you know, I was one of those people after moving on from Sports Illustrated for, for two years. And then uh, you know, putting uh content in the Guardian or whatever it is, it's just like these media sources, whatever their motivation is, I do think that you have people who saw the hot thing with Connor and Rhonda and felt we gotta we gotta latch ourselves onto this, otherwise we're gonna miss the boat. And whatever it is that's driving uh the trends that's lifting the 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 boats here uh is is a good thing, uh, and it, that evolution has really shifted and grown in 20 years. I mean, two decades. Um, it, it's hard to, it's hard to compare. Y- you can't. Uh, even when I was at ESPN, you know, regular hits on Sports Center. Now, obviously, they didn't have a content partnership with an MMA promotion, and that changes things. But uh, just now, to see it as part of a regular discussion amongst any other sport, um, it feels totally normal. It's part of the lexicon of American sports fans. It is a. Uh, it is normal. It is there's nothing odd about seeing, a night of mixed martial arts on ESPN. You know, even back in the network days of CBS, it still felt like, oh wow, this is different. Wow, this is special. You know, and, and I think we've moved on from that. If if MMA comes back to CBS, I think it'll just feel like, yeah, it's just sports on network television. And so I, I think we've sort of gotten past a lot of the stigma that was keeping the sport down the people who wanted to lean into those negative perceptions for reasons why they shouldn't embrace the sport. I think their arguments are shot that they don't have them anymore. So it's, it's simply about this is this universe of mixed martial arts clearly dominated by the UFC and how do we cover them? What's the best way to do it? Um, How do you invest resources to get a good return? I I, I think uh, it's come so far. And maybe I'm not seeing the next steps again. Maybe, again, I'm behind the eight ball in terms of my view of what's coming. But uh, it does seem like we've gotten to the point in mixed martial arts coverage where it's treated like anything else. And for a while, that seemed uh, like an impossibility. Like, uh, how how is that possible? Like, give me a break. Uh, What, they're going to cover in newspapers? They're going to, I mean, so some of these ideas were fanciful, but they ended up coming to fruition. and, And now we're seeing them in, uh just being propagated everywhere not just in north america but i think in in media around the world and and, you know it's not just the ufc it's, it's local promotions around the world that are pushing the envelope on these things so i think nothing but positive i mean if generally speaking it's been been a very positive growth a good growth and i do believe and you know some people may feel differently but i do believe that there's quality journalism in in mixed martial arts it's not just surface level content creation it's it's not just aggregation it's not that there is actual really good reporting happening in the space and that will continue. And hopefully from at least in, in my heart uh, move forward in important ways, because, um, you know, this is a sport that is very unique. Um, it, you sort of have to understand it relative to other sports and uh, it deserves that kind of coverage. This is this is a sport that runs headlong with government oversight. Uh, it's a multi-billion dollar business. Now you're talking about a contact sport that is unquestionably going to affect the health of the participants later in life. There are real, real issues here and you have all the other stuff that comes along with combat sports, like managers who aren't serving their fighters and you have dirty, shady promoters and you have all sorts of craziness. So, um, I, 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 think that there's still room for growth and there will be shifts in terms of trends in this business. That just seems normal with what's happening in media. Um, but if it's anything that matches the last 20 years, then hold on because I can't I can't imagine as dramatic a shift from where it was when I first stepped in.
1: You mentioned pushing the envelope, you mentioned room to grow, and you mentioned how to cover MMA, but how to best cover MMA. Do you feel like the current MMA media is covering MMA the quote unquote best way or the right way? Do you feel like there is enough true journalism? in the MMA space. I know MMA media is something that's constantly derided on social media by Dana White and other entities, but do you feel like, uh, by and large, media is a force for good right now in MMA?
2: Yeah, I think, I think that's what I just said. Um, I, I believe that it is. Uh, there's a lot of crappy media, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of people who don't have any idea what they're doing, they just wanna be around the sport, and that's not wrong or bad on its face, that's fine but people have to be open to improving and learning lessons and actually wanting to do the job. Uh, if you just sit in here trying to get a credential, show up to a fight, hang out, you know, film a video for five minutes and, and say, Hey, I did my job. Okay, fine. You're, you're never going to get anywhere in this sport. You're not going to do anything that makes any difference in terms of your journalism. And if that's who you are, that's, and you're comfortable with that fine. There's, there's room for all types of people I've covered um, other professional sports. I've covered uh, topics outside of sports And there are all sorts of hierarchy of kinds of journalists and what their ambitions are and what their goals are. So, yes, I do think generally speaking, uh, MMA journalism uh, serves its purpose. Uh, Incidentally, according to the fighter survey that the the fighters do as well. And um, I also think that there's room for improvement. I, I think there are conflicts. I think there are weird things that happen in the space, but it's not endemic to mixed martial arts. I think media in general, you see a lot of these things. So, um yes there is room for growth I, I do think um the entities like the mma journalists association have a lot of room for growth and improvement and playing a part in some of those things and so you know we'll see what transpires there but overall just in terms of the industry uh not an easy one to be a part of uh, but i think there are a lot of people who do things the right way and have positive intentions. And aren't just out there trying to do hit pieces and aren't uh, whatever the critics say they are. Um, a lot of times it's weird because if you're doing your job correctly, you actually attract criticism. So, uh, for people who have never been criticized or people who have never had a bad word said about them, in a lot of ways that suggests that you're probably not doing the job the right way. And, um, you know, I, I think there's some maybe some possibilities for reflection and growth in the terms of. Output in the, t- in the kinds of journalism that you're uh, participating in. And if you have it in your soul, I-, I think yeah, journalism's not being a lawyer or a doctor. You don't need uh, a degree necessarily. You certainly don't need to be certified by a board to do it. But I do think you have to have it in your soul a little bit and um, you know, feel that. If you feel that, then yeah, you have as much opportunity to do quality journalism as anybody else. And I think people should embrace that and can embrace that and have embraced it. And the work that people produce, I believe, shows that constantly. The amount of information we have on the UFC's financials now, uh, certainly a matter of circumstance, but absolutely because of the reporting that's been done in this space. And I I don't think people uh, should forget that or gloss over that kind of stuff. And that's among a a lot of topics that we know much more about because of the journalism that's done here.
0: And you touched on the MMAJA um, just there, which, which you're the sitting secretary of right now. Um, I know I know. in terms of the media space, there are media members that have, have joined the MMAJA, kind of know what it's about, but there's a lot of media members that don't really know specifically what you guys are doing um, and the background about the association. They know that some people such as yourself are sitting on it, but they don't know the specifics. Uh, could you just give us a little bit of background about what the MMAJA is currently doing for media members and and how it's working right now?
2: Yeah, I think Broad Strokes, uh, it's an an advocacy association for journalists working in mixed martial arts. Um, I think that it has not touched the potential of what it could be as an organization. And I think that there's a lot of opportunity for it to do those things. But practically speaking, if you remember the conversation around the UFC cards in Jacksonville, and there was this conversation around a waiver that everybody at the event was being asked to sign, including media people, uh, we told our members not to sign that, that it was uh, something that went against uh, journalistic principles, we felt like we had a good cause for it. We spoke to experts in journalism and, and, uh, and uh, legal aspects regarding the practice of media and relayed that to our members. Hopefully, that helps some of them. But I, I do think that there's a lot more that we can do. And uh, hopefully, uh, moving forward, we attempt to do those things. Um, you know, you, you look at all other sports and many other uh, fields of coverage out there. And the journalists who cover them as a regular beat have coalesced and come together and work together as an association. And they benefit from those ties and uh, a lot of what uh, an association can bring, leverage as an organized group, uh, for instance. So uh, my sense of it is that for people who have shown no interest who have said it's not for me, That's totally fine. Hopefully they uh, come around and change their opinion at some point for people who have felt like, well, I guess that's for me, but I don't really know what it is. Hopefully we give them a reason uh, and and show our worth. And, uh, you know, again, I I do think that people are right to question what we do and and ask what we do. You know, we are a association of journalists. It's far be it from us to be questioned by actual journalists. What's our purpose? What's our point? What are we doing? Uh, I think those kinds of questions are all healthy and welcome, actually. And so the conversation around the association, uh, what it can do, what it has done, it's all welcome. And I, you know, I think really looking forward for opportunities for us as a group to come together and say, you know, we can help each other, we can improve, we can uh, really have discussions about journalism in the space if they matter to people. And um, you know, some fun stuff along the way, some cool things too, I think. So um, you know, we'll see what comes of it. It is not something that just happens. It requires work, like real work, and um, for it to move forward. You know, that's that's really uh, the next steps of it.
1: You mentioned that COVID 19 waiver that the UFC had athletes, coaches, managers, and media members sign. And the MMAJA did come out with a statement saying that it was, uh, quote unquote, overly broad and that they discouraged journalists from signing it because it may have implications for their coverage. What went into those kinds of discussions? Because I know it's a very nuanced issue. I know you reached out to experts and Following the MMAJ statement, did you hear back from either any of the journalists who were on the ground in Jacksonville or from the UFC? I believe they ended up amending that uh, clause once and for all.
2: They did. They amended it um, for cards that came up in Jacksonville. And I think they've uh, since uh, jettisoned it altogether, if that's correct. Um, You know, uh, we we had internal discussions of the board. Uh, the board that stands today and um, the board will shift. Hopefully soon we actually have to uh, get our elections together. It's been over two years since the board stood. So we're overdue for an election. Um, You know, this was something that, you know, we, we created the association. It's an actual association. It's a nonprofit. Uh, It's not just a name only. So, you know, there, there are documents affirming our status and, you know, we, this was an opportunity for us to, to not flex our muscle. You know, that's down, that sounds confrontational. It wasn't that, it was to say, hey, this is what our purpose is. We have to speak on behalf of our members and, and provide counsel to our members. People are asking us, so the internal discussion was, how do we do that? How are we effective in those ways? Uh, we felt a, sta- a statement was necessary, but what does the statement say? How can it be effective? You know, uh, and so we went out and, like you said, we we spoke to outside ec- experts on these issues, uh, and we referenced those conversations in the statements that we made to members. You know, all, all that stuff is just a genuine outreach and a, a genuine. Um, I think uh, reflection of our interests. And, uh, you know, we want it to be meaningful. It's not like we're saying we're the Mixed Martial Arts Journalist Association. We're going to hammer you over the head because we have some leverage. It's That's not what it is. It's when moments arise that people need representation or counsel, or some things are not so serious, you know, and it's just a, a sense of camaraderie within the space. Um, I, th- I think all those things are valuable. This was a moment in time for us to actually say, hey, you know, this is actually why we were created we would be failing our members if we didn't do something. And so that was a lot of the discussion around it.
1: And I apologize. I realized I asked, uh, I think, three questions there in the span of four seconds. So, uh, But I did want to make sure I followed up. Did you hear back from uh, any of the journalists who were in Jacksonville or uh, even those who weren't? Did you hear anything from journalists outside of uh, the MMAJA organization itself uh, regarding the statement that the MMAJ put out?
2: I saw stuff on social media. Beyond that, I, I didn't, no one reached out to me directly about it. Uh, there may have been other discussions with, with other people in the association or board members. Um, I don't know if any of our members reached out to some of the experts that we uh, spoke to. Those experts also said if, if individual members want counsel, they can do that directly with us. Uh, and so I'm not sure if anyone took them up on that. Um, but, you know, it's, it, that opportunity was there. And we created that opportunity for people to receive that counsel if they wanted it. And we also provided our own views on things. And so, um, you know, I, I, I don't know that anybody reached out to us and uh, whatever it was. I mean, I I heard from um, people like you and I heard from others saying, you know, we appreciate the statement. Thank you for making the statement. But beyond that, I think it was sort of just, let's get on, let's do our work. Let's remember why we're here. And I think that was the general idea moving forward out of that.
0: And last question for me is is we, we've spent a lot of time obviously talking about the media landscape, uh, where it's, you know, been, where it is now. And you, you mentioned a little bit about in terms of talking about, you know, 20 years ago, you couldn't have imagined that we are where we're here now. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I mean, this is, is going to be really tough because, you know, looking at the past 20 years, that's certainly if, if you if you have that sense of the past 20 years looking forward, that's going to be harder to, to judge. But where do you think the media landscape will be in 10 years do you think will do you think the mma you know as a sport will reach a level where it's covered by more you know mainstream outlets we've seen the new york times pick up on certain stories we've seen more you know broader publications start to you know dab their toes in the water so to speak especially with the lack of other sports going on right now uh, but do you think that that's going to continue? Do you think we'll eventually rise to the level of as a sport and, and as media um, to the level of say a, a bigger league like the NBA or MLB or boxing? So, um, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that? Where do you see MMA in 10 years in the media specifically?
2: Yeah, I, I think already uh, mixed martial arts coverage is probably, I mean, at the very least it's on the level of boxing. I think it's probably surpassed boxing in a lot of different ways in terms of interest. Uh, the types of uh, outlets covering it on a regular basis and whatnot. I I mean, you go through levels, right? So um, will it be as popular as an MLS? I don't know. MLS is expanding. It's 25 years in. Um, It is a much more corporate environment. You know, this is still, uh, this is still cage fighting. Okay. Like boil it down to what it is. This is still two human beings stepping in a cage for open hand, open fist combat. Right. So, um, that's not going to appeal to a lot of people. And, and I think I think there are going to be hurdles in terms of surpassing a, a, a niche status. Now, a global niche is still extremely powerful in reach and uh, the kinds of money that it can create, uh, the kind of business it can do. There's no question about it. But I, I already think we've seen these staples of mainstream media coverage jump on board. I mean, it, as, a, as it's been 13 years since ESPN really sort of jumped into MMA coverage. Um, and I, I think most people follow their lead. So the fact that, you know, New York Times has a writer like Kevin Draper, who can step in and cover the sport in multiple ways, and they're willing to do that, they see it as relevant enough. They see the sport as relevant enough. And clearly, when you're talking about a, 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 a situation where the president of the UFC has a personal relationship with the president of the United States, and that creates a situation where UFC is on par with major league baseball and mls and nfl and nba in terms of these sports discussions that are happening at the white house level i mean yeah it, it has to be covered in a way that it wasn't previously because it never had that kind of cachet before so i think it will only grow in popularity do i think this is their ceiling i do i've always felt that i think the idea that at some point it'll surpass soccer in terms of global popularity is is a dana white wish list that he probably won't get um, it'd be incredible if it reaches that height. I just, I just, I do feel like it is hamstrung based on what it actually is. Okay. What it actually is. It's, it's like not palatable to a group of people in our society. And I'm not casting aspersions on them or the sport. That's just a reality. So, uh, it's not going to have the broad wide appeal perhaps of an NBA or an NFL, especially not of soccer, which is absolutely a global sport. Does that mean that it closes the gap and that closing the gap is enough for it to feel like it really belongs in that discussion? Absolutely, it could. Absolutely, it could. With When you have the kinds of power players and we've seen the ground and the distance that this thing has already traversed in terms of coming from a completely underground dead entity to something that is now featured weekly on ESPN um, is, is wild. And I, I don't want to ever lose sight of that. And so sometimes I think sometimes I sound like really naive or like, oh, my, my head's in the clouds, kind of like, I can't believe that this happened. But I remember and I feel it like it's in my marrow of when this thing was underground and when the only way to really connect with it was with other fans on forums online. or going to events in Southern California and LA where I live. I mean, for a while it was the hotbed and it really felt like this community of people. I think you've lost a lot of that feel It's much more open and mainstream. You have people stepping in in casual ways. Some fighters are going to capture the public's imagination. Most will not. And it really depends. I do think that there is opportunity for growth. I hope there is. Uh, That would just speak to the long-term health and viability of the sport as a whole. Um, And and certainly, if the sport faces a downturn, I think you'll see a downturn in the type of media coverage. No one wants that. Um, So my expectation is not that it's going to be the uh, really look I think the NFL does nine billion dollars a year in revenue I mean for mixed martial arts in the UFC to somehow get on par with that it seems it seems almost impossible but nothing's impossible and we, we know that and, and what it'll be like in 10 years I don't know other than I think it, it will be a firmly entrenched part of American sports sports culture which I think it already is but absolutely a decade from now there's no reason to think that uh, it will not be, thought of and talked about and reported on in ways that every other single sport that's popular will be. Um, and I, and I'm going to leave it on this when we did the fighter survey and we asked the fighters in 25 years, do you still view, uh, the sport as it's constructed today? Will it still be a viable sport? The vast, vast, vast majority of them said absolutely. Yes. And so, you know, I, I think, I think there's wisdom in that and, um, it makes sense. And if that's true, then the sports media landscape for mixed martial arts will not be any different. There will be lots of room for growth. There will always be upheaval because that's the media business. There will be ebbs and flows, but I think the general trend will continue to be upward. And, um, you know, all I know is whatever happens, I look forward to covering it. Positive, negative, up, down, neutral. The sport has never been boring to cover. I've been doing this, like I said, for 20 years. Never once have I felt like, oh, man, I, I really just... It's not, it's not doing it for me anymore. I got to move on, and um, you know, I, I hopefully I never feel that. Um, you know, I feel like going off and covering other things as I've done has added to my experience and helped me feel stronger about MMA in some ways. And there's no question that there's a lot of great reporters. And 20 year old Michael Fidel, sorry if I butchered your last name. You know, in 20 years, who knows, man? Maybe you'll be talking to some kid who's coming up and wants to do the right thing. I I don't see why that wouldn't happen.
1: Well, thank you very much for that. I I definitely appreciate it. One final question for me. Uh, We talked about where MMA will be in the future, but where will Josh Gross be in the future? Where will we find your work in the foreseeable future?
2: Uh, Right now, nowhere. Uh, If someone wants to come along and offer me a a good job, I'm I'm all ears. Um, I don't know. I have projects that I want to do. Um, I am I'm, I'm well positioned to actually create some amazing MMA documentaries. I am, uh, a journalist. I am not a businessman, unfortunately. So, uh, navigating that has been a, a bit difficult. Uh, I think another book is in my future. Um, again, I enjoyed my first one. Um, I think I definitely have another one or two in me in the mixed martial arts world. And then, you know, just covering this thing and trying to understand the sport and the business. And, and, uh, I, I, I think, you know, one of the things I didn't touch on is, it has felt so constant over the last 20 years that even as the UFC is coming out of the dark period and then now moved to a place of just supremacy in the, in the MMA landscape, but also aligning itself alongside other mainstream sports, there are forces out there and there are things that can completely change what we think of as mixed martial arts. If any of those things happen, you know, who knows what we're talking about, but I'm here to cover any of it. And I, I look forward to that. And I, you know, I, I think people have confused me along the way with someone who's had an agenda or someone who's uh, driven other people's voices above others, or someone who's taken, uh, had a a distaste for Dana White and has had it out for him. That's never how I've felt about any of this stuff. Um, I've just tried to do journalism. And if it butts up against your worldview or you didn't like something, I guarantee you didn't like it because you didn't think it was inaccurate. I've never had anybody come to me and say, hey. The story that you wrote was inaccurate and that's really the only thing that matters to me. So if I can keep doing that and I have every intention to, uh, I'll stay in the space. Uh, I was grateful for the athletic. They came and literally offered me a job, you know, that I desperately needed It had been three plus almost four years since I left ESPN. And I appreciated the chance to write a book and the freelance. Uh, I I don't think anything is uh, a given, you know, I may not get another job in the space. I, I sure hope that's not true. But um, I I know that if someone wants to come and offer me a a position, I work my my ass off. It's all I've ever done. And uh, I continue to look forward to do that. And and I I don't expect to be bored by the sport either. I I just think it's constantly intriguing for all the warts and all the negativity. um, It is a world that is really unique and has a ton of history to it. And I appreciate that. In fact, my appreciation for it's only grown in the amount of time that I've been in this world. So uh, that's my intention. And, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully we can uh, make it happen. And, and, you know, I'd like to make a living. I got rent to pay, you know, so it's uh, no one wants to be laid off. It was unfortunate. Uh, I was grateful for my time there. But, you know, on to the next step. And uh, hopefully whatever the next step is, it's as exciting as it's been for the last 20 years. And I don't have an expectation that it wouldn't be.
0: Definitely. And, and, you know, we'll, we'll of course be looking out. We, we really hope for the best. I'm sure you'll be getting an offer at some point. Hopefully when this pandemic dies down, uh, you'll, you'll have people banging down your door because oh, yeah, you're, you're, you're one of the, you're one of the vet, you know, veterans in the sport, one of the best in the biz. We really appreciate the time. Thank you so much for coming on, Josh. Thanks for having me guys. Appreciate it.